Welcome to I Am Ethos, a podcast about self-discovery, inspiration, and uplifting real-life stories from extraordinary people. Each week, we deliver the best inspirational stories and tips on how you can live an extraordinary life. Now here's your host, Joe Willow-Rose. I have been fascinated with Atlantis, a story by Plato that depicted an island that supposedly disappeared into the Atlantic Ocean from earthquakes and floods. On July 17, 2009, during a call with my friend Steve, he mentioned that he had been involved with an author named Jim Allen, who wrote a book called Atlantis, Lost Kingdom of the Andes. Jim believed that the real Atlantis was in fact in a town a few hours away from La Paz, Bolivia called Pampa Oegas. Steve said that he, along with a few architects, have been busy for the past year building a hotel in this town, hoping to attract tourists and see this real Atlantis. After we chatted about this real Atlantis, he excitedly asked if I was willing to go to Bolivia to celebrate winter solstice that was coming up on June 21st. Of course, I said, sure, I would love to. Then it hit me. This meant that I only had a few days to get organized, pack, call my clients, my interns, and arrange my travel itinerary. Fortunately, Steve owned a travel agency in Bolivia, and so he offered to make all the arrangements for me. Steve and his wife, Lucy, were born in Los Angeles, California, but they decided to move permanently to Bolivia when Steve's father passed away and to take care of the travel agency family business, which was well known in the country. Steve's wife, Lucy, was a pediatrician at the UCLA Medical Center at the time and had to leave her lucrative career behind to join Steve. But as it turned out, the hospital in La Paz desperately needed a pediatrician. And so it worked out really well for the family in the end. As soon as I accepted Steve's invitation to visit them in Bolivia, I immediately researched what I needed to do. I read that I had to get a yellow fever vaccination and so I Googled all the clinics within 60 miles and found four of them. The first three clinics said that they were all out. So before I called the fourth clinic, I secretly prayed to God to help make sure that I get this vaccination and that my travel arrangements will go well and I will go to interesting places and meet people along the way. As the saying goes, I let go and let God. In my mind, I trusted that God will come through for me. And so when the lady from the fourth clinic answered the call, I crossed my fingers and asked if they had any yellow fever vaccinations available. She was probably wondering why my voice seemed so anxious. She nervously said, yes, but we only have one left. If you can get here by noon today, it's yours. Now, the clinic was in Maryland, and I was in Virginia at the time, which from my calculations would take me 15 minutes without traffic to get there. It was 11 a.m., 
so I had to move quickly. I don't even remember hanging up the phone, but I remember grabbing my keys and bolting out the door. I was nervous driving to the clinic because I was worried of any unforeseen delays while I was driving. So at each stop sign, I decided to do my breathing exercises, inhaling, counting to four, exhaling, counting to four. And I did this three times. And when my mind was quiet, I said to myself that I'm going to trust that this was meant to happen for me. And it will happen, even though in my mind, I had a little bit of doubt. I made it with plenty of time to park my car and walk to the clinic before 12 noon. I walked in and the lady at the counter smiled and said that shortly after my call, apparently two families came in asking for the yellow fever vaccine. Had I not arrived by 12 noon that day, she said that she would have had to give them away. I let out a big sigh of relief. Wow, that was close. As soon as I got home, I called Steve and told him that I just got vaccinated and that my passport was up to date, so I was good to go. He told me to leave it up to him to make all the travel arrangements, including the sites he thinks will be a once in a lifetime experience for me. A few hours later, Steve called and said that I was all set. He even said that there were few surprises for me when I got there. I've never been to Bolivia, and so I was part nervous and part excited about this upcoming trip. Before we hung up, Steve mentioned a conversation we had a year before about my interest to meet shamans or medicine healers. He said that just it just so happens that his brother Marco was a shaman and now lived in Miami, Florida. He got so excited and said, I just had an idea. Why don't you meet Marco in Miami on your way to Bolivia? You have a two hour layover in Miami anyway. I was so surprised, but of course I said yes. If he could arrange for Marco to meet me at the airport, then I would be happy to. Once I landed in Miami, I called Marco to arrange a meeting place. To my surprise, again, he was already there. He wanted to be sure he didn't miss me before I took off for Bolivia. Marco was just like Steve. He was jovial and fun to be with. While we chit-chatted about our lives and grilling him with many questions about shamanism and healing practices, Marco said that he wanted me to meet his friend, Antonia, while I was in Bolivia. Antonia was also a healer and can answer any of my questions regarding shamanism and other healing modalities I was curious about. Before I left to board the plane, Marco gave me the wisest advice. He said, remember that no matter where we are in life, Trust that we are never alone. Believe that what we call spirit exists and they are here to help us if we only ask. This brought chills up my spine because I knew this to be true. Trust. Since the initial conversation about this trip began, I told myself to trust the process 
And if I do, my journey to Bolivia will be shown to me step by step. Once I arrived at La Paz Airport, I immediately looked for the driver Steve arranged for me. After looking and waiting for 30 minutes, I called Steve and asked if he could call the driver so that we can arrange to meet at a designated place because he was nowhere to be seen. Steve called back a few minutes later and said that the driver was actually on his way back to his office. He felt so bad when he was explaining to me that the driver didn't time his trip to the airport right because apparently airport security will not allow anyone to stay and park or even circle around the airport perimeter. I panicked a little and said to myself, okay, now what? I didn't know my way around there. Steve suggested that I take a cab to his office, but he neglected to tell me that I had to walk a half a mile to get to the taxi depot. Luckily, I'm a light packer, so I only had one carry-on bag and a backpack. I followed the other passengers towards the depot. Once I arrived, I noticed a mile-long line and asked someone what the line was for. He said it was a line to get a taxi cab. I was like, what? You mean I must wait in this long line to get a cab? I quickly calculated in my head how long it would take to go to Steve's office, but I realized it was futile to even try. Then what I saw amazed me. Once a taxi cab arrived, hordes of people quickly jumped in. Forget the line. I even saw people jump in a trunk of a car. There were several policemen navigating the traffic and directing people which car to go. Then out of nowhere, a policeman grabbed my arm and led me to the back of a taxi cab. Five people tried to get in at the same time, but the policeman told them to get back and push them away. Wow. To this day, I'm still shocked that it happened. I waved back at him and said, gracias, out loud. He responded with a salute. A few seconds later, I looked behind and he was back directing traffic again. I remember being so amazed and happy that I didn't have to get in line for what probably would have been hours of wait time for a taxi cab. I remember feeling exhausted. Although there were four other passengers in the cab with me, I began to relax on the way to my friend's office. I kept smiling as I marveled on the beautiful street-lined colonial-style homes, beautifully preserved and simple in its design. My friend Steve greeted me with enthusiasm as soon as he saw me, but he was also showing signs of guilt that his driver wasn't there when I arrived at the airport. I brushed it aside and was determined to make the best of my stay there. After settling in at the hotel, Steve was scheduled to pick me up the following morning for a five-hour drive to Pampa Oegas to celebrate winter solstice and to show me what he called the real Atlantis. I was excited beyond belief. I learned a lot about Bolivia, its cultures, traditions, values, and spiritual beliefs on the way there, and I was happy to soak it all in. 
We drove to a town a few hours later and saw a bus full of university students. When we stopped at a cafe, one of the students told me that they were headed in the same city we were going to. I could feel the excitement from these students. They reminded me so much of my interns. We arrived mid-afternoon on Friday, June 20th. We were greeted with enthusiasm by the elders and residents of this small town. It was a nice surprise for sure. After taking some pictures with the elders, Steve met with them along with the architects while I settled in my cottage. Steve previously warned me that I should bring at least five pairs of socks, thermal shirts and pants, and knitted hats and gloves. I looked around the town that afternoon and thought, well, it's 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Why would I need to bring extra clothes? Steve said that the temperature drops significantly in the Andes at night. Significant, as in below zero degrees. After we had our delicious dinner, Steve told me that he planned to help some of the elders carry a goat up the mountain that night to be sacrificed. It's a tradition for indigenous Bolivianos to honor Pachamama or Mother Earth, believing that Pachamama will bless them with good crops and prosperity. And so after we parted, Steve reminded me yet again to use the extra socks and thermals before I go to sleep. He also left a heater in my room just in case. It was in the mid thirties at the time, but I went along and put on extra clothes. After a few hours of sleep, I remembered waking up freezing. I had on three pairs of socks, two thermal pants and shirts, a knit cap and gloves, and a down jacket, and wondered why it was so cold. I looked at the thermometer in my room and it was five degrees below zero. What? No wonder I was freezing to death. <laughs> Good thing I listened and thank God for the heater. The rest of my stay in Bolivia was awe-inspiring. The entire trip felt like a dream and I didn't wanna wake up. From the time I spoke to Steve about the possibility of going to Bolivia to experiencing it was surprisingly surreal. When I decided to trust God, not knowing where this trip will lead me, I began to experience the most wonderful journey in my life. One thing led to another, and I spent little or no effort into making things happen for me. Things to ponder. If you were given two weeks to live, what would you do? Make a list of three things, and only three things, no matter how tempted you are, to write for more. Because when you're focused on just three things, you give it more of your time and energy and will feel less scattered in your mind. After writing your list, ask yourself, what is preventing me to do this or that now? If you say money, then redirect your mind and pretend you have all the money in the world to accomplish those three things. Just pretend. But when you're pretending, do me a favor and ask yourself to act 
as if it's already yours. Those three things you want to accomplish is yours. So if you're currently low on funds, say to yourself, even out loud, money is not an issue. Just pretend that it isn't. You may say, well, that's so easy for you to say. Okay, fair enough. But what if I told you that's exactly what I did before I went to Bolivia? A few weeks before that trip, I read a book called It Works by R.H.J. It's the famous little red book that makes your dreams come true. An easy read, just 40 pages long, and so I told myself, why not? I'll make time. It took me less time to read the book than making the list of three things I wanted to manifest in my life. Even though I wasn't explicit and said that I wanted to travel to Bolivia, I did write on one of those items that I wanted to travel outside the country where I had never been before. And the other two items on my list also came true. I had a brand new client within a week after I made the list. I also needed an expert internet marketer and almost within days of getting a new client, I met her at a Business Network International meeting or the BNI group. All the while, I was low on cash and worried I wouldn't be able to pay for next month's rent. So how was I able to travel to Bolivia with limited funds? My brand new client bought my three-month business consultation package and paid in full. But surprisingly, that wasn't how, was, how was I was able to afford the trip. Because almost at the same time that I landed a new client, I received a lump sum check from a real estate sale my ex-husband and I owned. To be honest, it didn't even occur to me that I will receive that amount of money from the sale because I thought we sold the real estate property at a loss. So you see, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are in right now. What matters is if you want something bad enough, really want it, it is bound to come true no matter what. This is where blinding trust comes in. You need to trust that it's yours. One thing you must add to this, though, is when making your list, don't be too specific. Leave room for God or the universe to give you that or something better. For instance, I specified that I wanted to travel outside the United States, a place I had never been before. I didn't say I wanted to travel to Bolivia, which, by the way, never even crossed my mind. I was hoping for London, India, or Paris. In the end, I gained much, much more because my trip to Bolivia catapulted me into learning new healing modalities that I eagerly wanted to learn. And it opened my eyes to possibilities beyond our five senses.
make your list and watch the magic happen for you. Add in trust. Trust that it's already yours. Trust that even though you don't see it happening now, know that it will manifest for you. Doing this will allow you to have what is meant for you. Remember too that what is meant for you will never be taken away. Each of us has different needs and paths to walk on. And so what is meant for you is rightfully yours and no one will be able to take it from you. Trust and believe, even if you have to pretend for a moment that what you are longing for is yours and will manifest in your life now. Trust and believe that your higher power or God is there to help you, encourage you, clear the path for you, and will help make your dreams and desires come true. Trust and it is so. Tune in next time as I explore with you the freedom of following your true bliss. I'm taking some time off this summer, but we'll be back for our next episode on Tuesday, July 27th. Until then, I wish you many blessings and love. Thanks for joining us this week on I Am Ethos. Be sure to tune in next week for our next exciting episode.